Cool, we need to get you a haircut, Tony. You've got some hair growing down your back. <laughs> if his wife's lucky, he'll shave his back this weekend. That's right. <laughs> That's a true wife. That's true love right there. <laughs> shave my back for you, honey. Uh, lovely. All right, welcome to episode 15 of No Putts Given. Today we have Callaway Jaws Wedges, the most... Ag- the most aggressive grooves in golf. We have a new discovery inside the My Golf Spy lab and some wet and dry testing, thanks to our Harry Nodwell over here. We've got a new driver from Cleveland, Bryson DeChambeau, playing a new Bridgestone ball. We're visiting Honma and Francais. Let's get it. Francais. How do you say let's get it in French? <laughs> No Putts Given is powered by My Golf Spy, the most extensive reviews in golf. Before you buy, My Golf Spy. Nine million readers do it every year. Check us out. So let's start off with the Callaway new Jaws wedges, the MD5 wedges, and what they're claiming, let's get right to it, is the most aggressive grooves in golf. Right, Tony? That's the, that's the story, yeah. Uh the most aggressive groove in golf for sure. I don't know necessarily if the world needs a more aggressive groove, but you know, if you think you do, then maybe Jaws is for you. All right. So just to kind of uh, let everybody know, I mean, Callaway is a serious wedge company at this point. Uh, they have just passed uh, Cleveland as the number two wedge maker in the market. Vokey still remains number one. So Callaway is to be taken seriously, at least from a sales point of view, uh, in the wedge game. Uh, how do they how do they uh, base their numbers off that, Tony? I I'd, I'd have to double check to be absolutely sure, but uh, historically and historically meaning over the fat last five years in my conversation, uh, Callaway has used dollar share, right? So they make the second most amount of money in golf selling wedges. I guess is probably the. The simple way to look at that. It's, so for the average consumer possible. out there, what does that mean? Meaning like sales numbers versus what, units? Yeah, so the, the two metrics golf companies use, uh, unit share and dollar share. So uh, dollar share is obviously better in terms of, you know, hey, we're, we're generating more revenue with sales, whereas unit is we're selling a whole bunch. Sometimes those correlate, sometimes they don't. Uh, so I, I think Cleveland, if I had to guess, I haven't seen the numbers, educated guess, Cleveland may still be ahead in unit share, but you know, Cleveland wedges tend to be a bit less expensive than Callaway's. So yeah. I think obviously mm-hmm. you, know, you just accumulate the, the wealth that way. So what's interesting to me, or one of the interesting things, is Roger Cleveland designs these wedges, right? So why is his name not on these? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's some history, right? So if you don't know, once upon a time, Roger Cleveland, it was the Cleveland in Cleveland Golf. Uh, he sold that. He sold his company, Cleveland Golf, to Dunlop Sports, Shrixon, Cleveland, right? That whole, uh, that's all part of the, the same family. So uh, as far as I understand it, Cleveland retains the rights to the Cleveland name on a wedge. So Roger Cleveland, who designs the wedges for Callaway or most of them, Cannot actually, they can't put designed by Roger Cleveland. I think I, they tried. They could put like Cleveland one on there. You them. know what he should do? <laughs> I think he should legally change his name to Roger Callaway. <laughs> well, I mean, you get the, uh, you can kind of see it on the hosel there, right? The the dot R dot. So that is the uh, that is the current Roger Cleveland 
signature on a Callaway wedge, so that's how you kind of know it's a Roger Cleveland design, or at least that Roger played a significant role in the design. Just think about it. If he changes his name legally, he could sell his name twice. (laughs) And get rights twice. (laughs) Um, So back to the... That's a tough one, right? You you sort of design a wedge, you can't even put your name on it. (laughs) So I guess maybe there's a lesson in that, too. Aspiring golf company owners... uh, don't name it after yourself, maybe. I don't know. I know. That was but. such a big thing for so long, you know. So many people named it after themselves. <laughs> but so back to the grooves and being, you know, self-proclaimed most aggressive groove in golf, whatever that means. And, <clears throat> you know, when we used to see the original Jaws wedges, I'll never forget the first day we brought them in. I mean, they shredded, and I'm sure oh. any, yeah, shredded golf balls, right? Like, and you thought as a consumer, you're like, holy shit. These things are literally spinning the cover. I mean, it's tearing the cover off. They're spinning so much. But why is that not a good thing, Tony, for everybody out there listening? Well, first of all, I'm thinking if I'm, I'm you know, I'm looking for, for efficient ways to peel the covers off of golf balls, find a cut of stuff, get, get at the various layers. Uh, maybe using an old, uh, the original Jaws wedge could be the right way to do that. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, so... Basically, if you're if you're cutting a ball frequently, like everybody's going to cut a ball from time to time, right? Lie condition, you just it, you hit it just right, and you kind of leave a mark. But basically, shearing of a cover comes from the the cover sort of compressing into the groove, but then riding up the face, right? Almost working like a razor blade action on that, and that's that's generally bad, right? Because that that's the ball sliding out of the groove you kind of want it to stay in that groove so to speak so you want it to be almost a clean in clean out not kind of sliding up the face and shearing yeah imagine if you took like a a wedge like the old pure spin wedges with the diamond faces on them and held them to an orange cover right like a a covering of an orange and just push them together and kind of push the wedge face up you would see the orange you know, cover start to slide up and then start to tear off, right? It's like a, yeah, it's like a cheese grater in in a sense where yeah. you're actually grating cheese it. and it comes out, yeah. Yeah, so not only is it not a good thing to tear the cover off a ball and it doesn't mean you're spending more, but secondarily, balls cost, you know, mm-hmm. decent chunk of change, four or five bucks a piece, right? So, um, Good balls. So I would expect to see, obviously we haven't tested the new Jaws wedges, but my guess is that the new wedges don't do that anymore. Yeah, I would, I would hope at this point. <clears throat> because they've got, um, you know, that groove and groove technology too, which helps with those less than full shots and a couple other instances as well. Yeah, and again, our manufacturing tolerances and, and techniques have, have improved over the last several years. So hopefully, hopefully every, every reputable wedge company is designing a a better wedge than they were and still staying within the rules so one of the coolest features that i think is available on this uh well let me take that back i don't think it's one of the coolest (laughs) things i think a lot (laughs) harry thinks is one of the coolest things about this uh, new release is the fact that there's like you can get emojis stamped on this new Cleveland or sorry Roger this new Callaway <laughs> Jaws MD5 wedge. So that gets mm. me to the mm. yes that gets me to the obvious next question and Harry what emoji are you going to get stamped on your Callaway wedges? If I had a choice, no. Well, I mean, there's only four available. Yeah, there's only you four. You know any choice. any emoji any that emoji? you would want, and we'll see if Sean Toulon can make that happen for you. 
I like a peach. A peach. <laughs> and, I, and I'll speak for Sam. He's either the eggplant or the uh, squirt emoji. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he, can't, he can't defend himself. He's in France. <laughs> uh, I don't know how to recover from that one. Tony, uh, what are you going with? I'm sure it's a little bit something a more. Flower. <laughs> no, I... Uh... I don't want emojis on my wedges. I'm sorry. You know, I will tell you though, and this is this is sort of like where it could be cool, but it it just doesn't work that way. One of my buddies, every time he he chips in or holes out with a wedge, he you know kind of hits it with the little stamp. He gives it a little ding to kind of commemorate it, and you know, sort of like the the Buckeyes on Ohio State helmet, something like that. I like but that. Obviously, you you can't send this into Callaway for a fist bump every time you hole out. So. I mean, you could, but it's not really efficient or probably cost-effective. So something like that, I would think, would be cool. But you know, what? other than that, I, I feel no pressing need to to put a maple leaf on my wedge. I don't, I don't know. I'm yeah. gonna do that. Not the we, maple leaf, but I can see I can, that's going straight in your basket. That that new is idea. going straight in my basket. I mean, I like I, I like that idea. It's a really good it's a really good idea. It makes you want to get another stamp on there, so you're gonna try harder. That is a really cool idea. I like that. Who does that? Somebody at McGregor, you said. No, no, that's uh, Hose. Jose Miraflor, Cobra Puma Golf. That's oh, one of his things. That's a cool idea, man. That's, that's a really good idea. I don't know I don't know if he still does it, but yeah, back in the day he was doing it. Hey, and, great uh, idea for a wedge company. Send a stamp with the wedge, mm. and then that way you can stamp your own wedge when you chip one in. And uh, let me tell you, Hose has a filthy, filthy short game, so he uh, he, he goes through wedges. I haven't heard his name in a long time. The Rat. That's a little rat, yeah. All right, so we've got the uh, emojis covered, I guess. So you're you're getting. I'm good on my emojis, yeah. Peach. All right. Rabbit enthusiasm. (laughs) So let us know which emoji you're gonna like on your Callaway new wedge. And other than that, these wedges are 159 at retail. They will be available at retail 920. They're available in two different finishes, four or five-ish grinds. Um, three different shafts. Three different shafts. Tony's showing well, you a couple. No, I mean, there's sort of stock shaft. And yeah, sto- three different stock shafts. Uh, well, stock steel, stock graphite, and then a women's graphite. And the big thing here, look, shaft label, grips, everything is blue. So, you know, that's, uh, it, it, I don't know, it's blue. I like blue, and there will be there will be a women's offering for any women out there listening. Which we have 03 percent of our listeners are women. So for that one woman that's out there listening, this will be available for you, and tell more women about no putts given. All right, so on to the next thing, which kind of transitions pretty well from one of the features in the Callaway Wedge, and that's the Groove and Groove tech that they have, which helps with wet conditions. And this right, week, especially um, <laughs> wet conditions, Callaway. I think they put it on the uh, kind of that that shorter shot, so really kind of closer to the green is where you see the biggest benefit on that. But the benefit nonetheless. Trivia question for you, Harry: How many micro grooves or grooves and grooves does the Callaway wedge have? One hundred fifty-nine. Tony. Oh, what was it like? Eighty-four points of contact. Bingo. 84 points Between of contact. Between the grooves and the micro groove seat. 
So when we're talking about wet versus dry, uh, the MyGoss by Test Facility really is there twofold, right? It's to do most wanted testing. But what I love about it most is what we call the lab. And lab testing is not most wanted testing. It's really there as a curiosity. So different things come up. They're not as large scale tests. You learn a lot from most wanted testing. But generally speaking, how that goes is we do this massive test, collect all this data, and then we spend days diving into that data, sometimes months over the you know a year's time, and you start learning stuff from that. But you can more quickly learn some things from a smaller scale test and what we call labs. Um, and that's exactly what happened this uh, week, which is one of the coolest discoveries we found in there. And Tony, as far as I know, unless you know something I don't, I don't think anyone has ever discovered this. I've never seen it published anywhere. Have you? Well, there's, so there's certainly been some some wet wedge wet wedge testing done. So you know, Andrew Rice did some. I think we actually, in fact, I'm I'm fairly certain we actually published an article from Andrew Rice several years ago where he did some wet wedge testing. And recently, the guys at TXG who do awesome stuff have done a did a little bit of a wet wedge test too. And so we thought, hey, it would be really cool to integrate a wet component into our wedge test talk to a few guys to come up with like all right what's what's the best way to do it and we kind of went in with a game plan and then harry started messing around and we really found some interest all right so let me set you up a little bit here harry um <clears throat> what this means is this we do a wedge test right but like we talked about last week no putts given wedges perform drastically differently when dry versus wet right so what you want is no matter what condition you're playing in for that wedge to perform exactly the same in a perfect world. Um, so is what happens when you add all these variables and elements that you're going to see in your round of golf. And what we found really quickly and what others had found too, Ping included, um, TXG and some others, like you said, Andrew Rice, that we published a while ago, was the fact that when you introduce wetness to the ball, spin rates on wedges can plummet, Right which is something you don't want to have happen. So in a really short test in the facility, we did wet dry testing and we did it with one variable, which is what most people do. They spray the ball with water. And what we saw was the wedge spin with the worst wedge in the test so far versus the best was drastic. But what we found or what Harry found was that for a lot of wedges, there was only three or 400 RPM difference between spraying the ball only and a dry wedge scenario. So then Harry uh, came up with a new test protocol or a new curiosity lab kind of mm -hmm. test. And what was that? And what did you find? Well, when, when I was sat there performing the test for the wet wedge, I was seeing, like you said, like 300, 400 revs difference between wedge to wedge. And then all of a sudden there would be one that goes into like a one and a half thousand less just just by spraying the ball and i was like why is that and i looked at the wedge and it was one without the milled face so it's just a regular wedge without with the milled face with just screws <clears throat> so then i was like all right well that kind of correlates and makes sense so i was like well all right so let's put this to real world scenario and when we're going to real world scenario, if the ball's going to be wet, nine times out of ten, the ground's going to be wet. So I ran a test on a, on a wedge that was a, 
a very good wedge. It is still a very good wedge um, compared to another wedge that I know... To be um, really good. To be really, really good. And I saw huge, huge differences in spin relate. So basically you're saying when you, when you added another addition to the wetness, <clears throat> meaning not just spraying the ball, which is what most people have done, you added ball plus ground. Yep. Correct? You saw... I saw a difference. An additional difference. And then that got me thinking again, all right, so if that's the case, every golfer out there is going to be one of those ones that is lazy, like me, and you'll hit a couple of practice shots on the ground, on a wet condition ground, then your face is wet, and then you wipe it with your foot, you get your club face and you wipe it with your foot, get the grass off, and then you just hit. So that's what golfers do they don't go and dry their face off drying off as hard as they can to get that dry face and the wet ball so once i did that there was more um so three scenarios ball wet ball and ground wet and then you did ball ground and face wet face wet and what you saw was every time you added another situation where water was involved to the to the new scenario Mm -hmm. spin dropped spin dropped but the launch angle stayed pretty much exactly the same when any part of the wet condition enters the club face but still higher than dry a lot higher than dry yes so the two biggest things are launch goes up when wet is introduced and spin goes down which makes sense because it rolls up your face and it's launching higher i think the coolest part go ahead tony yeah i mean i think just just on the quick numbers you saw you sent over and what we saw in the when we did the ball test as well when we we did a wet portion of that it's can be in the condition we tried during the ball test four degrees and then if you uh if it's with a mat cover golf ball because they don't that that type of finish for whatever reason doesn't let the ball the water run off as much mat color balls you're going to get higher still but yeah i mean so four degrees of launch plus or minus sometimes a little bit more that's just just from moisture on Mm -hmm. introducing moisture into the equation so why is this such a cool discovery well, I'll give you one thing that came to mind right in the studio when you discovered it, right? And that's, well, everybody was spraying the ball to introduce wet, right? I've seen it at a few different places that have done the wet wedge test. And you do see a difference. But really what we're trying to get to is what most closely relates to real-world scenarios. And in a real-world scenario, like you said, if ball's wet, ground's going to be wet. Yeah. A lot of times people take a practice swing, club's wet. So at the worst, meaning all three have water, which is what's happening to a lot of people. I don't think the average golfer would even think to go, man, if I take a practice swing and I have any water in on mm-hmm. my face, I need to 100% dry that to get back to the level of dry right yep. conditions. Also, if you have a lift clean in place type of scenario that you're playing You need in, to take advantage of it. So you take advantage of that and dry that ball yeah. off. Or Tony calls lift that. Lift dry in place. Lift dry in yeah. place. So one spin can make a huge difference right Mm -hmm. when water is introduced to the three scenarios but the bigger thing that i think people when you relate this to okay now how is this going to impact your score tell them why this is a big discovery you think in that so what is the difference when you have let's say on a wedge shot 60 yards Mm -hmm. and you go wet ball wet club wet ground versus dry what is the spin difference on average, basically. And then also, what does that equal on a rollout difference? And then how does yeah. that affect? Well, Matt, can we just pull up the graphic um, of the one that I just did? Um, so you've got your spin rate there. Um, have you got the other one? Can you well, let's, let's run this one really quickly. Yeah, so, so that's a that's a new ping. 
So this is the new ping. So from dry conditions, you're spinning at, at well, I was spinning at uh, 7,375. This um, was what, 60, 65 yard target, right? 60 yards. So 60 yards. Um, my launch angle was 31.9. And then I we introduced the wet ball, which was dropped by 100 revs, which is not a big difference. Well, just so everybody knows out there, this is best case scenario. This is a wedge that's built for this specific task. Correct. You're not seeing, even at the worst, but uh, 600 revs different, right? Right. So all three conditions is what you're seeing. You're seeing at the top, the dry, the wet ball, and then the wet ball and wet face, and then the wet ball, wet face, wet ground. Okay. Yep. So those are the three scenarios you're seeing. You see each time a drop off. Now pull up another wedge that is a good wedge and not the worst in the test. This is a very good wedge, by the way. So in the in the dry, it span um, seven thousand four hundred twenty-seven with thirty-two launch, and then you put a wet ball in there and it drops about four hundred. So and the launch condition, uh, the launch angle goes up by uh, nearly two degrees, and then you add another variable, which is wet ball and wet face and it drops to a dramatic 5222 like that's that's huge and then if you go one more and you drop it in with all three variables with wet ball wet face and wet ground you're down to 4860 yeah, you're, revs you're 30 to 40 percent reduction in spend yes and that's with me like consistently as consistent as i can do it Strike it in the same locations, same way every single time, kind of like a robot. And and you're looking and you're looking at what four, five, six, seven, three thousand revs difference from dry right, to. So extreme. let's get to how this impacts on the scorecard. So yeah. that equals go slide that over to the yardage um, differences. Yeah. So in this is it's not that as as drastic, but it is on paper. So it rolls out two yards from dry conditions which equates to uh six, six feet, feet which then you apply it to make percentage which you see on tour and that's 65 percent of the time you will make that putt no. wait start with the distances the, the difference what is the make percentage from x feet and then when you add six feet what's the make percentage yeah so feet? from six feet it's 65 percent you make it okay if you go up to 12 feet it's 30 percent so it's a 30 percent drop off and make percentage yep. and then we, what i've seen right. what i've seen in the testing facility with the average golfer it rolls out to seven yards which is 21 feet and then your make percentage goes down to 13 percent so what were you saying tony i mean it obviously uh, the the percentage differences depends on sort of how close you would have been but the but the the big thing to take away is, and it, it's going to increase more as you add moisture, but you're going to get higher launch. You're going to get probably, in a lot of cases, more carry if, if the contact is still reasonably good, and you're going to get more rollout. So it's it's about understanding if you, if you can't control all the moisture, right? To a degree, you can keep your face dry, but if you can't control all the moisture, it's super important to understand what that's going to do to the golf ball, assuming you, you hit it cleanly, right? You always have to kind of assume you, you can put a good swing on it and good contact and then understand what what the influence is is going to be from the, the additional moisture. Yeah, so let's talk about this real quick, Harry. So there were kind of three scenarios you saw, right? So it was just 
regular grooved wedge like the Miura, yep. the Miura we tested, yep. then a grooved wedge with some type of micro grooves in between or a milled face in mm-hmm. between, which added some more texture, which was better than just Better grooves. than, yes. And then on top of that, you would take the extreme level, which would be the new pings with like the hydrophobicity finish it on it. Uh, what is, do you know what their finish, what that finish is, Tony, by chance? Like uh, it's hydro pearl might be hydro pearl 2.0 right now, but it's uh, they it's you know ping calls it hydro pearl, and the big thing is right that it the water doesn't bead on it; it just kind of runs off. That's that's the whole idea. It's kind of like waxing your car, that's right? That's exactly what I was thinking. <clears throat> yeah, like so- we said, you know, we talked about it last week. It's one of those things where they tell you about it, and you're like, oh, cool, you know, nice. But when you start to look at it in terms of practical application and what we see when we test or what we've seen with this wedge test so far you start to go hmm all right so maybe maybe this actually does matter yeah it definitely looks to Mm -hmm. so far so we're going to be adding this into our wedge test we actually scrapped all of our data for a wet test based on just spraying the ball which is how a lot of other people had done it previously to add the three conditions that we think are most closely related to real golf right yeah, what everyday golfer is going to actually do on the golf course. Yeah, so on, what, on a dewy conditions, and then where you have rain, you know, a moderate amount of rain, um, that's exactly what we're, we're, we're testing for. Yeah, so what we're going to do is include this in our wedge test this year, mm-hmm. and then we're going to do a labs afterward to show you the differences from the different wedges with the three different variables and show you how much of a difference there is because we're seeing some pretty eye-opening stuff. The two examples you gave here aren't even the best and worst ping is the best so far and the worst so far that we've seen in a short small test so just want to make sure we mention that is that miura wedge right yeah there's other wedges there that don't have the milled face but i wanted to just pick one um and that was that was the one that was the guinea pig but it's it's it was a very eye-opening um test just to even watch and to perform when will the results you think come out now that we've kind of gone back to the drawing board with this because we know this is a better way to do it? Um, I mean, I can't really put a, a solid timeline, but I'm thinking maybe two weeks' time. Okay. Potentially, and then and then we got to obviously build the article and publish it. So two maybe three, three two or three weeks, yeah. All right, so for those that are interested in seeing the final results, the most wanted wedge test is going to be pushed back two to three weeks, and this year it will include some of the data uh, we don't know how we're going to present it yet, but we will present it there. And then we will have a labs article that will just dive strictly into wet versus dry. Tony, any other things that you have to say about the wet versus dry wedge tests and kind of the discovery that our boy, Harry. You call me out Einstein if you want. <laughs> it, it's again, it's just one of those things where it's not talked about a ton. It's probably not something a lot of golfers consider. And even, even on a short shot, right, and just kind of looking down at that ball and being able to assess the situation and say, all right, the, the ground is wet, the ball is wet, do I need to play this differently than I would if it's, you know, two in the afternoon and, and everything's been baking in the sun all day? Like I said, I mentioned to you in my, uh, in my member guest that I played with Chris Nickel, that was one of the things, you know, we were playing lift, clean, in place. And especially when I got close to the green, uh, I was – taking advantage of the rules to to thoroughly dry the ball uh, before the shot. And, and I, I think it definitely made a difference for sure. So Did, did you dry the well, face think, too? Oh, my, yeah. Dry yeah. everything. Yep. 
everything but the ground. Well, <laughs> I think the takeaway for right now, until we come out with the you know more data, is if you look down at your club, like Tony said, in any day of golf or any shot you're going to have, and you see your face is wet on an iron or a wedge, I would suggest probably yes. trying off from now on. It might be a pain in the Oops. ass, but it's worth it. For sure. All right, so moving on, um, we're going to go to uh, – so I hear Bridgestone has a new ball that Bryson is testing. What are you hearing about that, Tony? Yeah, so Bryson this week uh, put is playing right now a – it's being called a prototype Tour BX. This is going to be, you know, call it a prototype. I, You know left, me, I left think. Left dash? No, no, it's it's the new ball. So I, I, I think it's probably well past prototype at this point. I think it's Bryson is playing what's going to be the 2020 Tour BX, and we can probably assume safely that it's Bridgestone. There'll be a 2020 Tour BXS and RXRXS as well. Uh, but the big thing, again, not a lot out there about the ball. Obviously, Bridgestone keeping the cards tight to the vest but what i understand is that this is going to be a big cover material story so kind of a change to the the urethane formulation or i mean i can't even be be certain that it is urethane at this point but definitely a change to the the cover material some degree the cover formulation and and the big story i'm hearing is and why sort of bryson's making the switch is improved greenside spin upwards of i believe you know 700 rpm on like a on a 15 yard shot so really kind of significant gain and again it really is just that from what i understand the green side type stuff where where you're going to see a huge difference so bryson obviously likes what he's seeing um and i and i think you know too early to say but i think bridgestone is going to end up billing this as a a significantly significant technology change like quantum leap forward kind of thing perhaps even on the order of the switch to rubber now with a cover that you know it, it's tough to to get to that kind of level but i think they kind of see it as is really the biggest breakthrough in golf ball technology in, in quite some time but tbd on, on what it actually means yeah so remember at the i think it was a pga show right they were super excited about this ball back then right and like telling us how this new cover is going to revolutionize the golf ball industry and be the next kind of i guess they didn't say it but you know when the ball moved from balada to kind of you know pro v1 type cover this is kind of that revolutionary change yeah, in, in very non-specific terms yeah they kind of talked about this kind of being they think a really big thing so um you know if you can if you can make a ball that that spins a lot more around the green right and if it, if you know the numbers hold true right if you can get several hundred even on a on a 15 yard shot that would be pretty significant so if you can do that kind of thing without adversely impacting the kind of spin conditions you're getting off the driver right so if you still can maintain that that high speed on the driver and ideally kind of make it go reasonably straight straight right you don't want to you don't want a ball that spins too much off of the driver at least a lot of us don't and then sort of really boost spin around the green that would be that would be a big deal because i think as much as you know, lots, some people have been taught, right, you want to get that ball rolling as, as quickly as you can. Um, there are certainly those of us who like to say, look, if if the flag is, 
30 yards. I, I want to hit it as close to 30 yards as I possibly can and not have to worry about the, the slope of the green and the break of the green and, and guys who didn't repair their ball marks and things like that. So, again, spin on a golf ball to a large degree is control. So if you can get more control around the green, yeah, that would be that would be really cool. But, again, you know, vaporware at this point, right? None of us have actually seen the golf ball yet. Yeah. What's, what's, what's the saying? It's, it's all bullshit till it ain't bullshit. That's yeah, it's all bullshit till it's not, right? <laughs> that ball sounds perfect for me. That's what I was just going to ask you. So you, that was the problem, am I right, that you had with the Bridgestone ball yes. when you tested it? Yeah, so I couldn't spin the Tiger Woods ball. I couldn't um, get enough spin to generate around the chip shots and the 15 yards and then. I couldn't really get it. Um, so that this ball right here sounds, you know, like perfect for me. Yeah, that's what I was Because I didn't want to lose, I didn't want it to spin more off my driver. So I wanted the Tiger Woods ball off the off the longer ones, and then it sounds like I want the Bryson ball in the short. <laughs> the well, short it'll one. be uh, this uh, technology is going to find its way into the entire lineup. So it's not just this will be the cover is going to be. I would assume, right? It's safe to assume that they're going to put this same new material, whatever it turns out to be, on the X, on the XS, the RX, and the RXS. So your okay. your fitting variables are still going to be the same as, as yeah. they've always been. They're just going to give you a little bit sort of, hopefully, right? Uh, a little Interesting. A little what ball are you playing now? Um, I'm actually playing, I've actually changed the Pro V1. Have you? Yeah, just because I can feel that a little bit around the green. I can control it a lot more. What ball are you playing, Tony? Uh, I'm still kind of between X and left dash as I try oh, and figure right. some things out. Although based on the spin numbers that I was seeing... <laughs> Uh, yesterday during my lesson, I may have to. We may be looking at a whole new ball before too long. That's two, two piece. <laughs> never <laughs> play a two piece. I, just, I would never. We got some kick X's around here somewhere. We got some kick X's. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So moving on to the next new release, and that's the Cleveland Launcher HB Turbo. And I just love when somebody puts the word turbo. In a name of a product, because it just is I'm awesome. Think, I'm, it makes me think of Too Fast, Too Furious. It's like, like, like turbo injected. I just remember that movie, that character Turbo from that movie, The Snail or what it was. You know what I'm talking about? The, the animated. No, movie? I didn't. No. All right. No. For the Matt knows from back there. So anyway, Cleveland just announced this week the launch of their newest driver, and that is the Launcher HP Turbo, and it got a very quick response on social media. Um, and I'll just read a couple. So we showed the pictures when it releases, and Will Kramer on Twitter says, uh, ping calling on line one. And Jordan <laughs> Fuller says, looks like a Turbulator-inspired design. So, you know, yes. yes. <laughs> so let's just go back to a couple things. One in that is this, this is the second HB, the Launcher HB line. Uh, that they've come out with. The first one actually did well in our testing for slower swing speeds. Finished first in carry. And, you know, it did really well. Just kind of got overall, the subjective feedback was kind of plain, kind of boring. So they made it less plain, less boring. But the interesting thing for me is they say, if you're a two handicapper, these are not for you. So who are they for? And they say, get this, it's for the normal human being that wants to play golf for fun, um, which then brings me to me seeing a tweet from Jamie Sadlowski saying that he's playing this driver, which 
I thought he was one of those pros, and by the way, hits it a mile and said he gained seven miles an hour ball speed. So, Harry, I know you and Jamie have had a head-to-head battle before, um, did, and you've tried the driver. Maybe. What did, what did, <clears throat> did you gain seven miles an hour ball speed? I did not. What, did, what was your result so far? I was one, one mile an hour slower. Compared to what? My G400. Okay. But so you can't really I'm compare Jamie it. Has so. a, a different version of it. <laughs> so, but, but obviously, it's a different shaft in in both clubs. So you know you can't definitively say that that's the reason. Um, but it's very light. It's super 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 well, light. They're they're quoted as saying the goal is to create a driver for for those who just want to launch it. So. That's what it's for. Do you want to launch it? I mean, like, it went in the air. It launched in the air. <laughs> it did. I mean, it's it's. I want I want to, I want to have a a competition against Jamie at um, the 2020 PGA show. He's got he's got to play that driver. He's got to play his driver, if it is that driver. Um, against and your ping. Against my ping or my gamer at the time. You might get a little closer this year. I might buy a couple more yards. We'll see. So Tony, I know, I've, been, I've been hitting the gym, so I might. I've been going over the um, not parallel. I'm going past parallel now, <laughs> creating some more lag. <laughs> Tony, what do, what do you got to say about this driver? I mean, look, at the end of the day, we just put out the pictures, and everybody was saying it looks like a ping. So, I mean, the the turbul or not the turbulators, but the what is it? The dragonfly technology. Yeah, a little sort of I would say crown cosmetics. Probably the safe way to cover that. Yeah. Um, and a little bit of the, I mean, it's it's similar paint scheme with the red, right? But, you know, I mean, how how many years into the world of golf equipment are we, right? We're about a century deep at this point. Uh, and so everything looks like something else, some certainly more than others. Uh, I mean, we saw the pictures right from Callaway of uh, some of their new putters that are very clearly tailor-made spider-inspired. And so... At some point, I guess the the big question is right. What's the what's the statute of limitations on when it it's cool to just make something that's obviously inspired by something else? But look, every every driver more or less looks the same already at this point. So it's sort of how you you trick out the crown and paint it. But at the end of the day, like all right, if you like the way it looks, fine. If it looks like a thing, so what? It's, yeah, I think it looks really... good. You like it? Yeah. Well, it looks like my ping. It looks better than the original Launcher <laughs> HB, right? Uh, yeah, a lot better. I mean, I didn't, I didn't like the, 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 the top half, the top dome mm-hmm. of it, and then it drops down with a white line behind it. And from what I remember, I didn't like that kind of look. Looked different. We've got sure. a little bit of the high bore in this too, right? Not, not yeah. quite to the the extent of the original, but a little bit of a, a drop in the crown. Hey, yeah. shout out to Nate Radcliffe for that one. Yeah, the industry misses Nate, I think. I think that sure. high, that high bore was. Uh, head of the curve for sure yeah i mean just kind of an innovative thinker right not afraid to do something a little bit different yeah for sure i mean we can't we can't knock it until we test it so we'll we'll look forward to putting that into test in 2020 and seeing how it fares and like we said last year did well yeah anti it's again it's one of those kind of anti-slice keep it fun right nobody has fun when they're, they're slicing balls into the woods so that's i mean that's that's where this fits it's not trying to be for all the hey it looks like a g400 it's, it's not trying to be a g400 or 
you know, maybe maybe a G four hundred or four ten SFT, maybe. But yeah, I'm I'm waiting for a company to come out with. Um, if if you're the one that hooks the shit out of it, waiting for one that comes out with a really open club face, so you fade it more. Is that that going to be a thing? You need that. I need that, right? Yeah, you need that. <laughs> that's your uh, that's your toe setting. Yeah, but it doesn't. Flat it, it, yeah, your, but uh, it doesn't do it enough. <laughs> <laughs> not for me. Uh, not for you. <laughs> All right, so moving on to a couple of things that's going on with my Goss Buy and what we're doing kind of behind the scenes, and that is a couple of our guys in a couple of different places. One was at Honma. And, uh, Tony, any type of information we have other than they've got a new iron, and that's called the XP. New lineup, right? Yep, new lineup. They've got an XP1 iron and an XP1 driver that I think people might be interested in. Um, you know, What do you know about these so far, Tony, if anything? Yeah, I mean, it, it, again, it's a kind of the similar space. So they've got their, as the the stuff we just talked about, right? It's intended for probably slower swingers, a little higher handicap, although, you know, there's not always a correlation there. But again, kind of in that uh, Zexio premium sort of lightweight space, I guess is probably the best way to describe it. Uh, yeah. What we saw, right? So we sent John Barba for this one. I couldn't make it. So uh, we sent John. It looks... It looks really good, right? I think kind of really kind of clean, not off-putting in any way, which is something you don't always see in that category. It's not sort of blinged out, tricked out. It looks it looks like a legitimate looks so iron. Good. Yeah, that looks like uh, you know something you would see from a Callaway or Mizuno at, at that level of iron. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. So I think sort of an expansion of the the Honma line, which at least suggests that they're not screwing around and, and they're here to here to play serious uh, big question know, though for you tony is this you know it's something we've heard it seems like since we started my golf spy from all of these different companies uh that you see pop up 14 honma you know you name them and they all say they're trying to figure out north america and you know none of them really have uh successfully for the long term maybe a year or two they'll see some type of bump but long term just nothing really so do you think that this is their best shot to figure out North America with the group that they've got? I think I think of all the companies you mentioned and all the companies that that Chris profiled over the the last couple of years like this this is the one that has the the best chance to stick around and and grow within the North American market, right? So Signing Justin Rose helped a little bit, right? Because that's instant tour credibility with a with a name that people know, right? Former number one, so that that was that's the tour presence. I think every company needs you at least need one guy that people know. They did that. I mean, they've got obviously Mark King was a consultant, so tailor made to Adidas to Honma in an unofficial capacity to some degree. So that you know, Mark obviously knows the the market, and he handed off and when he left to to become CEO of Taco Bell, which I still struggle to believe was a real thing, but that actually happened. So Mark left for Taco Bell and, and handed home over to John Kawaja, who was a, a VP at TaylorMade for a number of years. So, so part you know, of the, the reason why they had trouble figuring out North America, would you not agree, Tony, would be the fact that they didn't have people that knew, that had already at one point figured out North America, right? Yeah, they're guys who... Honma has guys who know the North American market better than certainly I, I think the get the other companies do. And and like I said, they have a quality product. They're look at 
so John was at a, an, an event for the opening of what they call Honma House, right? Which is their headquarters, their fitting center, right? What? And, and they've engaged the media, right? It was an actual media junket. Said, hey, look, this is this is who we are. This is what we do, and, and here's where we're doing it. That that's something these other guys haven't done. So just to be able to sort of do what it takes to create brand stories, things like that, they're they're already. Uh, probably five steps ahead of anybody else uh, who's tried uh, yeah. to make the leap from the Asian market they, to, to the market. They've also signed Wedge Wizard, who's like a phenomenal um, stamper of wedges. They've, they've, hired, they've, they've hired him. I mean, it make, makes that a little bit fun. You know, you, could, you have the customization of your, your fun wedges as well. So I think that's a good addition too. Yeah, and they brought Barbara out there, which... Which is also amazing and fun. <laughs> They should sign Barbara. Barbara. Significant amount of other guys as well. Yeah, for sure. Full-on media event. Yeah, but um, anyway, so Honma, expect to see some new stuff from them, obviously, next year, and some noise being made. And they've got a new driver. Matt, can you show the XP1 driver when you get a second? (laughs) Have you seen the driver XP1, Tony? Yeah, I mean, it looks traditional, sort of that. That's more of the traditional, almost, I, you know, kind of JDM look to it, I think, right? It's they, got that. It's got that Adams Taylor made slot in there. Yeah, though. I was gonna say it has that slot in there. It has the shiny bottom of the face where I used to have that club. I can see Barbara's got an iPhone 10 too from the reflection of that XP1. I guarantee. <laughs> I guarantee. Like one of the, some of the Instagram girls have been looking at it instead of going for the phone. They've been. Oh, this looks good. It's <laughs> a mirror at the bottom of there. <laughs> All right. In fact, I'd probably do that too. <laughs> oh, you, on- Harry, let's admit it. You practically are an Instagram girl. <laughs> I am. Yeah, without the followers. Oh. <laughs> well, I think if they go back to your first Instagram post, if oh, anyone yeah. wants to just go back, not to his most recent probably year or two, but just go back to the check out Harry Old English. What is your? Old English at G-Spy. There you go. Really easy oh. to remember. So go to like the very beginning of his post. You'll see some modeling shots. I mean, there was a couple. Couple. Yeah. And we, we we might have you might have um did it in a yeah, cardboard cutout of me. But. I love that cardboard. Right, cut. proper dandy. Hey, it looks splendid. I look splendid. <laughs> so one other place that we're visiting: uh, Sam Robinson, director of hard goods testing, and Chris Nickel, director of business development through My Golf Spy, is in France visiting Inesis slash Decathlon. So for anyone out there that has never heard of those who, which I hadn't either until last mm-hmm. year, uh, Decathlon is kind of the dick sporting goods of golf in France. Yeah, they're, they're huge in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are so, they, they're more than just golf, right? They're, oh. Yeah. Yeah. They're bikes. They're running. Both full on dick sporting goods of France. Yeah. yeah. I think golf only makes up, he said, five to 10% of yeah. the store, I think. So uh, anyway, they had visited us this past year and we were just really impressed not just with some of the products the shoes though finished best value amazingly comfortable mm-hmm. uh the range finder was the best value and the ball did well in our ball tests uh, so they have a full line of gear but what was most impressive like do you remember that presentation they gave it was it was one of the best ones i've seen yes like thoroughly impressed came in thinking nothing i of- i thought like this is just I looked at their clubs online. I was like, this is just another starter set and blah, blah, blah. It's, but I was pleasantly and proven wrong. 
one of the most impressive presentations that I have ever seen given about a product line or a brand or a service to my Gospy. And really, it's just their whole philosophy. They are really dead set on education, more so than just sell, sell, sell hype, right? And one of the coolest things I remember was, do you remember how they talked about the store being laid out for the mm-hmm. golf section? Yep. So imagine if you walk into a, you know, Dick Sporting Goods, or not Dick Sporting Goods, but let's say a big box store that's golf related and it's all golf and it's huge, right? You walk in and there's a sea of clubs. Where do you go? You don't know where to look. Right? So how they have it laid out is kind of three sections, beginner, intermediate, and kind of advanced. And based on who you are, that section is purely for you. So for example, you go into the uh, beginner section, no driver in there is over 43 inches. Mm -hmm. Really smart, right? Even the tees that they sell look different. Yeah. Um, Just overall, the philosophy broken down by the type of golfer was really well thought out. How they design product, I thought, was really logical and well thought out. And then, uh, you know, from there, we decided to go check them out and learn more about what they're doing over in France. And they have their own R&D facility, their own golf campus. Like golf, like nine-hole golf course on their, on their facility. Yeah. So how it's kind of laid so out cool. is in their building, the outside part of the building is all the R&D guys. Mm-hmm. The inside are non-cubicles, just an open space. The outside starts designing products. Literally, they kind of throw the prototypes to the guys and girls in the middle, have them go test it on the nine-hole course, yep. refine it over and over and over. Really cool, you know? It is really cool. And all the all their products, they're really well-priced. Like every – well, at least the shoes and the rangefinder was very, very well-priced and the balls. So yeah. they're, they're not expensive, but you still get a really good bang for the buck. Yeah, so – we just thought it would be an interesting new product line to expose my gospel readers to it because it's just something new. And at the end of the day, we want to find not just good performing products for you, but if we can find them and save you a few dollars, that's you know, even better. Even better. And right? they've just opened up a store in San Francisco. Uh, that's the first store in the U.S. Yeah, so a couple products to check out if you're looking are the Ennis's shoes. I think they're sixty-five to eighty-five dollars. I think they're eighty bucks. Eighty dollars. Yeah. The, it, really good like and it's literally it's it was more comfortable than sketches dare i say it because sketches is a phenomenally comfortable you shoe. mean sketches from last year from last year sorry yes yeah um that yeah i mean it's whatever they've done with with that combination with the uh foam and the insole kudos would you say out of all the shoe testing you've done that's the most comfortable shoe you've ever tested yes yeah pretty impressive for an 80 dollars shoe right yeah range um, finder and and just put the traction on there is, it's like wearing spikes with that go in four four feet into the ground. If you want a stable shoe, that is a very really good shoe. Yeah, and while I would say it's not the most um, aesthetically pleasing no, shoe, no. Um, neither are some of the shoes that are charging more money and <laughs> do not perform as well in our test. So you can uh, find an ugly shoe at any price. <laughs> that's very true. So really, that's it. That's what we're doing today. And a couple things before we go, and that is the Titleist contest that we've got going on. I don't know who in the world would not want a all-expense-paid trip to Titleist TPI, but if you're one of the people that don't want to, don't pay attention in the next 30 seconds. If you are interested in having a whole new bag of golf equipment, getting fitted like a pro or fit like a pro, and getting the airfare and the hotel and everything covered, uh, make sure you go on to YouTube and subscribe for our YouTube channel to be entered to win. Yeah, Tony. I mean that. 
Titleist Oceanside facility, and this is this is why we we reached out to Titleist when we had this idea. The, the Oceanside facility uh, TPI, where they they do fittings, is is absolutely phenomenal. Um, just, I mean, it's it's unbelievable that they they have this facility where you know guys like me and guys. Whoever win, wins the contest can go where they have, you know, like a bunker facility with just inc- multiple different types of sand and, and the driving range is laid out to look like a golf hole. So you get the fitting experience is, is like more like being on a course than you'll find just about anywhere else. I would think it's just you I said mean, it was, it's phenomenal. And I've entered, it's I've entered of, and I hope I win. <laughs> right in the... Right in the middle of Carlsbad too, which if, if you've never been to Carlsbad, is just like a, a city of yeah. office, small office parks. And so you go from, I mean, they're technically Oceanside, but it's, it's Carlsbad. So you go from, like you're driving through all these different office parks and then all of a sudden you're like, it's just this stunning golf facility, green grass everywhere. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Did you fantastic. say out of all the golf trips you've done, Tony, that that's your favorite one? In terms of like the, the facilities, the fitting facilities? Yeah. Yeah. By far, I mean, I think. Look, don't get me wrong. Uh, the Ely Callaway Performance Center is is really nice, especially since they since they kind of overhauled it with Gohan. So just you know, it's a beautiful facility. Taylor Made Kingdom is absolutely beautiful as well. But you know, if I'm being brutally honest, yeah, Oceanside is Tony's trying is not to piss anybody Oceanside. off right now. Yeah, he's really trying hard not to. He wants to like, no, let me get let me get no, it right. No, I still no, want to go to Callaway and Taylor Made. Still want to go everywhere. You're not going to go there and have a bad time by any stretch, but but Oceanside TPI is absolutely a cut above, and that's just that's just how it is. Yeah. <clears throat> so just a reminder: if you want to uh, be entered to win that contest, you have to be subscribed to our YouTube channel. And uh, the last but not least, we've got a ball marker. The last one that I think we might ever do, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've done a major marker for the last couple years, and this one is one that was called incognito by a follower and that will be released today at what time three o'clock today three o'clock today so 99 made all made in america uh all come with a bag tag that's handmade in america all individually serialized and numbered and uh yeah so 99 of them uh they'll probably go quick they usually do so three o'clock be there be square and uh that's it for today no plus given episode 15 oh anything else tony no no, you're ready to get out of here. You got a kid party this weekend? Yeah, daughter's, uh, so we had the family party last night. My daughter's birthday was yesterday. Turned nine, I celebrated by posting that ridiculous picture of her on Twitter with, with wedges in her mouth. Dude, great, great <laughs> picture. I love that. That was awesome. So it was nice. funny. So I, I had her take it. it was with Jaws, I remembered that I took the original. And she put it in her, like, you know, I was just handing it. She was teething. When she took the original, so cold wedge in the mouth probably felt pretty good. You seen it? So I had her, yeah. I had her recreate it, and I was like, uh, so she looked at, me, she's like, "You're not going to post that on Facebook, right?" And I was like, "No, I won't post it on Facebook." And so <laughs> Twitter, she again. turned around and I immediately put it on Twitter. She wasn't happy, but that's fine. Hey, September she's babies are always good-looking good babies. <laughs> that's an awesome pick. Yeah, pretty cool. That's cool. She does not look happy that she was. She looked happy taking the first one. She looked like, "Dad, what are you doing?" Yeah, she was. She kind of went along with it, but it, it wasn't with a lot of enthusiasm. <laughs> so. so, what are you doing this weekend, Harold? Um, my fiance is actually giving me a birthday day. 
um, as it was on um, Tuesday. Versus like an hour or a minute? Yeah, so it's a day. Okay. So I don't know what she's doing. We'll we'll do something fun, I'm sure. Well, that's, is that tomorrow? That's tomorrow, yeah. Sweet, well. What are you doing? Well, wife's in Wisconsin for for work, for coaching. So me and the kids are going to gonna throw a house party man hell yeah it'll be, <laughs> you know what it'll, it'll be like mrs doubtfire like he's <laughs> just throwing a pie in the back do the kids know that there there is no law when you're drinking the claw are they aware oh my god <laughs> what does that even mean <laughs> don't don't no don't he's 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 trying to become young again good for you for not knowing just really just good he's trying to be young know. he's trying to be young what is no, it it's white I claw do drink, i do not drink the claw it's a flavored beer Interesting. It's a seltzer, Harold. Get it right. It's alcoholic it's, seltzer, no. white claw. It's the new hot yeah. shit, man. It's a new Bud it's Light. Zima for a new generation. Ooh, it's the Zima replacement. <laughs> Zima for a new generation. You know who yeah. used to drink Zima that you should bust his balls about? Samuel. Chucky. Ooh. He split Jolly Ranchers in him. <laughs> yep. And there, and that is white claw right there. It's Zima with the Jolly Rancher. <laughs> well, all right. Enjoy your uh, White Claw. I'm going to enjoy my gluten-free Glutenbergs, and uh, we out. All right. See you.